hip-hop in its essence and real. But they all just wait, wait, what? There's no way to really make it happen. It's gotta be ready. But my mind is old. It sounds so stupid. Love this name for a Sopson. Sop sound was like I was a DJ with a blend on the sound. Sop up on the sound. Can I I am, of course, your host, B. Shea. Um, we're back for a fun episode two after a good episode one. I felt like, you know, I tried to tell everybody who I am by giving some of my favorite artists in the uh, solo and group world. Um, you know, I went into some other things about, you know, record sales and things like that. So, you know, I'm excited to be back. Uh, I had a lot of fun with episode one, like I was saying, but. You know, that's that's behind us now. Now we're on to the episode two, bigger and bigger and better things. Um so earlier today I was I was in the gym and I was listening to just my I have a playlist of just, you know, an assortment of rap songs. And a song came on that immediately I was I just wanted to talk about. It was um it's called Let's Get Down by Tony Tony Tony, but it's featuring DJ Quick. And it's an interesting song because, you know, Tony, Tony, Tony was an R&B group. DJ Quick was, you know, obviously a pro- he was a producer, but also did some hip hop. And you think, you know, two people that really shouldn't be making a song together. Um, two of those guys, you know, well, I guess technically four, but Tony, Tony, Tony and, and DJ Quick, you don't really expect them to make a record together. And I mean, they did. And I think it came out pretty good. It's it's a really fun song. I mean, it's got elements from both of them, right? You got like it's definitely an R and B song, but you got some DJ Quick, um, like you can tell he he added some of his own flair to it because some of his classics. Um, but it was fun. But while I was listening to that song, I was like, you know what? I wonder what other obscure hip hop collaborations I can think of. And I, you know, I wrote down a list, and I and well, here we go. Like you, you know, so. Uh, I've I've got a list of a couple of just obscure hip hop ca- collabs that you know I've I've just thought of some of them I've I've listened to before others I mean I know the songs but I don't really listen to them myself too often. Um, so the the first song that that that, that came to mind really other than Tony 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 because I was listening to that one um, is I ain't mad at you by Tupac featuring Danny Boy. And it's the same it's it's a similar dynamic with you know the R&B singer or singers in you know the DJ Quick case with with a rapper and I don't know I was doing some like I don't, I don't really know I didn't really know Danny Boy. I know the song and obviously you know Danny Boy ad, or um, yeah Danny Boy adds to the song by making it better, right? Cuz you get it's a fun juxtaposition, it's a fun dynamic. You got Tupac with you know classic voice um, in like his style, and then you get Danny Boy, who beautiful voice, right? And those two together, like it's just it, 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 a great chorus, right? But I was looking at Danny Boy, you know, signed to Death Row in '94. Uh, he was just 16 years old, um, but he was signed as an R&B singer, which I, you know, I didn't even know Death Row was more than just hip hop artists, which I thought was you know dope, uh, you know, fun to learn all the time. Um, Right, it comes out with a song, Come When I Call. It's a classic 90s R&B song. Um, it was for the, uh, the movie Murder Was a Case, uh, which, you know, fun fact, produced by DJ Quick. So a lot of DJ Quick early on. 
Um, and then, you know, he gets on I Am Mad At You. And him and Pac actually had a couple songs together. Um, another one of my favorites is Picture Me Rolling. And I don't know. It's, there's something interesting about, like, the R&B dynamic with the rapper dynamic because, like, not all rappers can do R&B. And not all you know, R&B singers can rap. But when you put the two together, like, if you let them excel in their own fields, they knock it out of the park. Like, I ain't mad at you. Right? It's just, it's good. It's a, it's a really, really good song. And it's, it fits just like that, that summer vibe, right? You're just chilling outside. Like, that is what that song is meant for. Um, just also, quick off the top of my head, I, the first thing I think of when I think of, like, a rapper who can't do R&B is um, Eric Parrish in, uh, oh, my goodness, I can't remember the, the song. It's on Stri- the Strictly Business album. I forget what the song is, but Eric tries to sing, and it, it I, oh my goodness, it's just, it's rough. No, you know, no disrespect, but it's not, it's not his, not his forte, I should say. Uh, the second song that, you know, another, another fun dynamic in a different way was uh, Street Talking by Slick Rick featuring Outkast. So, this song was released in 99. It is released on Slick Rick's last album, right? So, this is his, this is his walk off into the sun. Because Slick Rick, Slick Rick, for, again, for his time, was really, really good at the art of storytelling. Which, you know, is the name of this album, by the way. Um, but Slick Rick knew how to tell a good story. Obviously, I mean, children's stories, you know, I, I don't know many other hip-hop songs that follow one story as well as that one does. Um, so you get Slick Rick with that, that storytelling dynamic, and you get him with Outkast, right? And those two together, again, it's just not a group you really, like a pairing you expect, but I think they kill it. I think they knock it out of the park. Um, cause you got Slick Rick with his, his, his cool, smooth style. And then you got Andre coming on and big boy, like those two together. Like it was, it's a really good song. And I feel like it's one that, that not many know about. Um, I highly recommend listening to it. It's, it's definitely, definitely worth listening. Um, so this, this next one is... I believe 2007. I could be wrong. It's it's on the anonymous anonymous nobody album by De La Soul, and it's what I believe is the best song on the on, a, on an album. Uh, Pain, and the, the 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 two groups on it obviously are De La Soul themselves. Which you know, if you watch the last episode, you know that I, I'm a huge fan of De La Soul. Uh, but it's featuring Snoop Dogg, and that's. That's another one that just kind of comes out of the woodwork or something you don't expect, but works, right? Um, because when De La Soul was coming up in 89, they, they saw the rise of, like, N.W.A., Ice-T, like, the gangster rap era, and they didn't want to be like that. So they had their whole, you know, Daisy Age, like, the inner sound, y'all. Um, so they were doing their thing almost completely opposite. And, you know, Snoop Dogg fits in with 
that West Coast, like, gangster rap era. So the two of them making a song together, it's, I mean, it definitely would not have happened in the 90s. There's, there's no way. Like, I don't, I don't think they, they really saw eye to eye at the time. But, you know, come, I guess, mid-2000s, it was, it was different. And, again, it's another song that, that really, really rocks it out of the park because – to me, Pain is one. It sounds like old school De La Soul. It really does. And you mix that with like the unique voice of Snoop Dogg. I mean, it's it's a really really good song. And you know, unfortunately, the Anonymous Nobody album doesn't get as much doesn't get as much love as as I think it should. Like, it's definitely a good record. It's you know, it just didn't come out. You know, with the, with the other with the other like core four of, you know, three feet high. De La Soul is dead. Balloon Mind State stakes is high. Like if if it came out, if that came out as their fifth record, I I bet it'd get a little more attention than it does. But uh, again, so this is the great great song. I love the 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 pairing of the two, and I think it just works really well. The next song that I that that came to mind, and it's you know back to that R and B and uh rapper dynamic is um what these women want i am not going to say i'm not going to say what the actual title is um i'll say ladies what the no that sounds but what these women want um by DMX featuring Cisco so this one is it's almost the the um the Tupac and Danny Boy one on like steroids cuz DMX is way grittier, way more tough than than Tupac's voices, obviously. So then when you pair that to Cisco, who, you know, I don't think he has as good of a voice than uh that as uh Danny Boy. But you know, Cisco could sing, obviously. I mean he had some fun songs. <laughs> uh his you know, his number one song is is a fun one. So those two together, it's Again, it's a, it's a different dynamic. It's something you're not really, not really expecting, but it works really well. Um, because it, you know DMX wasn't, you know, way going over the top like he is in some other songs. He's actually, you know, he's he he uh, raises his voice a little bit, so it's it's a little bit higher, and it, it you know, it it's not bad. And then Cisco takes down the chorus, which which, you know, I I feel like it's a it's a, it's a pretty it's a pretty good song, and it's. It works really well. Uh, yeah. Uh, so this next one is... The next two are probably the most famous cases I can think of. I feel like the one I'm about to mention is more famous just because of who's involved. But the other one in terms of hip-hop broke more barriers, if that, if that makes sense. Um, so the, the one that I believe is the most famous like hip-hop unique collab is the fantasy remix of Mariah Carey and Old Old Dirty Bastard. Like who who nobody was expecting that, right? No nobody. You're lying if you said you're expecting that. But it's all it's again it's 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 what these ladies, women, whatever what they want just with a much much better voice than Cisco. 
because Mar- I mean Mariah Carey is one of, if not like the best singer, like voice wise, of all time. She's a top. Nobody's going to dispute that she's in the top some somewhere. So, you know, those two together, like I, I, I want to look into how that came about. I probably should have before I started this, but it's it's like a just different. It's a different sound. Like I don't. There's not many words I can really put to it other than it's just different. It's it's unexpected. I feel like it works pretty well, but I don't know because ODB has just. He's just an interesting guy. Like, you know, rest in peace. But he, he was just, he was an interesting guy. It's a, a different, different voice. But you know, I, hey, it ends up working out pretty well. So, this is the one that I believe broke the most barriers in terms of unique hip hop collabs. It was way back in eighty. I don't even know. Late 80s, early 90s, somewhere around there, it is, of course, Run DMC and Aerosmith with Walk This Way. Like, who in the, like, who in the right mind, one, put this together? I know it was probably Rick Rubin, but I don't know. You got, you know, three dudes coming from New York, that area. Three dudes from down south, like hillbillies. So mixing those two together, like it shouldn't, it should not have worked. But my goodness, it did. It is like I've I've mentioned I'm not a huge Run DMC fan, but this is a song I can get behind because uh, it, it's it's a it's a beautiful collab of two genres that don't really see eye to eye. If you know what I mean, like. They're, they're very different genres. Usually the people who like each are different. But I feel like they blended the two well together. It, 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 it came out very well. And then obviously I feel like that was the first time that a hip-hop artist could look at hip-hop for you know being able to reach more than just the hip-hop mm-hmm. crowd. And I'm um, you know, forever grateful for that because you know, we wouldn't have anywhere near the type of music we would today and you know I'm, I'm a huge hip-hop fan and i love listening to all different kinds of hip-hop and you know like the different the different sounds that come with it and and you know i don't know where it would be without without run dmc and aerosmith um so the the one that i'm going to end this list on is i i put it at the end because it's a, it's different it's weird so in in 1999, MF Doom dropped Operation Doomsday, which was the first time that MF Doom had, you know, released anything under that persona, and he, and I think you know he rocked it. I think he absolutely hit that. That album is one of my favorite of all time. But in in one of the tracks, like in the middle, there's a song "Who You Think I Am." And I I I, li- I like that song a lot. It's it's fun, um, good beat. I mean, it's it's it fits in with the album, right? It does everything that you know an MF Doom song should. But when you look at at the features, you see that one of them is King Ghidra. And it, you know, in terms of 1999, no one no one knew who who that was. 
But as years go on, Doom drops an album as King Ghidra. So what I'm getting at is that Doom featured himself on a song. Like, I understand that in the, like, the Doom multiverse, all these are technically different people. Like, you know, Doom is his own, is his own guy. Victor Vaughn is his own guy. King Ghidorah is his own guy. So I, I understand it from, from that standpoint that since they're different people, they each get, you know, like they're, they're different entities. So of course he would be featured, but it, like, it's such a funny thing to think about. Like this dude is making up people and then featuring them in his own songs. If that doesn't sound like schizophrenia, I don't know what does. Um, and that's not even the first time he did it or the, that not the only time. Sorry. I think I want to say it's the first time he did it. I'm not hundred percent sure on that. It's the first time I've ever noticed it. Um, because on mad villainy, uh, again, Towards the end of the album, he has a song, Fancy Clown. Now, Fancy Clown, to me, is the most interesting song. It's, I don't think it's like the best song. It's my favorite song on the album. But it is by far, I think, the most interesting song. Because, you know, it's... it's, it's like, so this one's featuring Victor Vaughn, who is, once again, another one of the Doom... I don't even know. Other, other characters... But this one, to me, was so interesting because it's from the point of view of Victor Vaughn calling his, I want to say, girlfriend, significant other. We'll just leave it at that. Calling his significant other and pretty much going in, like, saying that she cheated on Victor with Doom. So, like, now these guys are fighting with each other? This is wild. Wild. It's like, I don't know. Doom was just on a different wavelength when it came to entertainment, when it com- comes to like being able to create a story, not even in lyrics, just in the... like Doom very easily could have written like in comic books. There's no doubt in my mind that he could have came up with... like The guy was unbelievably creative. I don't know if there's been... Many, many like him. I mean, there definitely hasn't been many like him, but Vic, like, it's just such a fun, a fun dynamic, right? Of featuring yourself in a song from just like a different point of view. I can't, I cannot name another time that's happened, but I don't know. So that that's gonna end that that first segment. I mean, that, there's thousands. Probably thousands of examples, but um, I, you know, I can't, off the top of my head, I just can't. I'm not. I can't think of it anymore. Well, actually, you know what? I can't think of one. Eminem and Ditto in. Um, oh my goodness! Why can't I? Uh, Stan, right? And, yeah, and Stan. That's really good because it's the same kind of thing where you get the the hip hop artist with the singer. Like that dynamic is great. When 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 Eminem and Elton John did that together. That could have, I don't know, that, that, that was incredible. That's different, different. Um, but yeah, that's, I think that's going to end it for that, for that first segment. So um, I think what I want to go into now is, so I, I, I mentioned it in the last episode that I'm a, I'm a big fan of physical vinyls, like physical records, I should say. 
because you know not all of them are, are are vinyl but i'm a huge fan of art as well like i mentioned it with the shoes that i painted so um it got me thinking like what to me really makes an album cover interesting like what really is what like when i'm looking at an album cover what to me like sticks out and i think the things that i you know like the, the, the list that i came up with are obviously some time and effort's been put into it right uh it has to be creative right like you can you can put time and effort into something but it doesn't necessarily mean it's creative uh and then the third one which is it, it could be a separate criteria um it's just like having a message to it um so I, I brought a couple with me, uh, just some of the some of my favorites. And the first one that I wanted to mention was was uh, the low end theory. But it really could be any of Tribe's first couple albums. Because you know, like Midnight Marauders, they they all have the same kind of look. But uh, the one with the low end theory is just a different. It's a different. You know, it, it's some about some about it that just is so cool to me. So obviously, it's like a man kneeling. But what I like the most out of it is the color choice used. So it's a red. It, so it's, it's a black. The, the background is black. This is, you know, for people who don't know. And then you got some red color lines mixed in with some, like, dark green. But then the album, like, the low-end theory writing is in light green. So I feel like the colors play off each other really well. Like, it's just it's attracting to the eye. Uh, but also it's creative. Like, it's... You can look at it and you can see like the paint strokes in it, which I like. Um, the design of it is really cool, uh, you know. And then you got you know the tribe called Quest with a logo there at the bottom. Um, I, I just a lot of appreciation for this one. I really do. And then you know the backside, it, it keeps going on. But th this is one that clearly somebody sat down, took their time with. You know, this this wasn't like a first try knock it out of the park. I mean, if it was more power to him, this is, that would be ridiculous. But I'm, I'm, I really, really like this, uh, this, this cover. I think it came out beautifully. Uh, but again, that, that almost goes for all, or like the, the first couple tribe ones. Um, they're, they're just fun. Uh, so the next one that I have in here is, this is, I've never seen anything like this before in my life. Um, I remember I was in, I want to say, New Jersey a couple years ago, and I went, I went to a record store there. And So, one, I had never heard of the album. I, I already mentioned I'm a big Doom fan, but so this album is with Bishop Nauru, who I, you know, know, you know I never heard of him. Um, but I, I always like, you know, finding out new rappers, especially in this era. And the, the album is called... And it, Pardon me if I mess it up, but I believe it's called Neruviandum Redux, which I had never heard of um, at all. But what makes this one so interesting to me is it doesn't have an album cover. Instead, it comes in a clear sheet, and the album cover, like quote-unquote cover, is um, the album cover is, is like on the, the actual record. It, it, I don't know if I can explain that as well. It, so, like, you have the, the circle vinyl, and that is where the record is placed on. Um, and I'd never seen anything like that before in my life. 
I've never seen a record like this before in my life. Usually it's just like all, it's all black. The, maybe the middle has like, you know, a little white circle or you can it tells you what songs or what, but completely different. So that was also when I when I first got it, I there's nowhere on here that says what track is what, you know, what side has what songs on it. So but you know it's fun. That, that I like that because then that promotes you to like with me what I do, I just listen to it. Right? And I was excited to listen to it. it was right when I got home, it's the first thing I did. But even further than that, like the, the, the look of the album itself is beautiful. It's like this cartoon design. Um so on the front side it's just the two of them fist bumping, which, you know, is cool. Um uh, but on the back side it gets ridiculous. So um if anyone's ever watched the show Adventure Time, the house that Finn and Jake live in, like that think of that, that kind of vibe. Because that's kind of what it looks like to me. And then on the bottom, there's all this this beautiful, like, trees and, and, and waterworks. You know, there's a little bridge coming out of the bottom. Like, it's it's a different different style than you're, you're used to with Doom. Like, Doom usually had some cartoon. I mean, you know, Doomsday was, was, was a cartoon. Um, food was a cartoon. Um, Mad Villainy wasn't, but it's beside the point. Um, so this is kind of back to that cartoon thing. But it's it's just a very eye-catching album and obviously this took a while because there's a lot of detail in here everything from from you know tree branches to you know like little there's a bridge here at the bottom there's a uh, a little like i don't know door looking thing like but again it's there's something just so like eye-catching to this i i you know and, and there's, there's a couple things obviously that go into it and I'm a huge fan of of that album, and honestly, I think it, it could be one of the most underrated albums I've ever listened to. Because I mean, I I never heard it like I'd never even I never heard of Bishop Nauru. I'd never heard anything about it until um until I found it, which you know also kind of ties into the beauty of going to a record store. Like you just find things that you aren't you you aren't expecting. Um, you know, and I don't I always just pick up hip hop stuff, but when I do, I'm I'm usually I usually leave happy. I'll tell you that I usually leave happy. Um, so the third one that I that I just pulled out of here is De La Soul's second album in, in nineteen ninety one, De La Soul is Dead. So the the beauty of this album, um it's it's you know, it, it visually is interesting, but I think this is one of those ones that the message is what really makes this album cover so so great. So it's a, it's a broken flower pot. Um, you know, there's there's a hole in the bottom with soil coming out, and then there's three dead flowers on top. And you know, if 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 you know De La Soul, you immediately when you saw this album knew exactly what they were talking about. <laughs> because so in Three Feet High and Rising, their first album, 1989. You the the thing is covered in in the, it's those three and then a bunch of flowers right and I don't believe they were uh, you know a part of the marketing or whatever that that put that stuff together so it was part of you know their identity really for the, for those two years until Taylor Swift was dead like there were these hippie hippie kids you know uh, I mean they had a song you know like I said earlier the Daisy Age the you know Itter Sound y'all um, but I don't know. They kind of 
they they got looped in to like you know like being soft and whatever and they, they didn't they weren't down with that because it wasn't they were just trying to have fun like i mean the album came out when they were i want to say 19 20 years old right like you're not supposed to i don't know it's it's just different so they they weren't really down with all that so like obviously when you see this the first thing you think is like they're they're killing they're killing that image and that, that i think that that's kind of the goal they were going for um because you know they there was some like assumptions and associations that they thought were unfairly assigned to the three of them that you know it it, it wasn't truly who they were and you know and it, if you actually listen to the album that is it plays out perfectly plays out perfectly. This is why this is my favorite Daylight uh, album, because it's, it's actually them singing. It's actually them rapping, right? They kind of, I mean, they don't ditch the whole Daisy Age thing, but it just, it's so more real. Like, the first one is fun. Three Behind Rising is fun. This one is just like, th- this is De La Soul to me. This is De La Soul. Uh, the last physical album that I have with me is is probably the most interesting one that I own. Uh, and it's just like, it's insane. So it's Bizarre Ride to the Far Side, which is really an underrated album in, in my opinion. But the album cover is so wild. And, you know, it, you don't miss you, you know when you're looking at it like it's it's it, there's nothing else like it so it's it's this big roller coaster ride um in the top left i don't know what it is it's this big brown ball with a face um i don't know if it's supposed to be a planet i don't i don't know what it is um uh it, it this this thing is crazy right there's so many loops twists and turns there's at one point there's a loop where you can see somebody like falling off uh the end of the try the ride is just broken, so it just goes into the air and then there's no ending. But in the in the you know and then in the in the very corner, like you see the four members of the of the group in a car and they're about they're like it looks like they're starting and they're about to go right through this this little house and it's got an interesting you know design door in the front. Um, which, you know, as a kid, I didn't realize what it was. But now, you know, as I got older, I realized it's, it's shaped like a vagina. And that's exactly what it is. And um, I read an interview in, I want to say it was in 2007. So this album came out in 92, I believe, in like November of 1992. And so they asked Slim Kid Trey, one of the members of the band, who doesn't really matter, but he's my favorite by far. I mean, the group kind of sucked when he left. Um, after lab cabin but so they asked him they're like well what what was the design behind this like why is it shaped like that and his answer is well because we came out of a vagina you know like that was the whole idea behind it so but you know what i didn't mention is inside of the lips i guess is these like sharp jagged edges they look like I don't, I, not teeth, but they look like razors, like, right? And it's a wild-looking image. So they asked a follow-up to, to, fat, to uh, so, excuse me, not Fat Lip, Slim Kid Trey. Fat Lip is a member of the band, by the way, or the group. 
you know, I'm not being weird. He's a member. You can look it up. Um, they asked Trey, you know, why, why the Razors? And he goes, what? Like, what are you talking about? I'm like, well, there's Razors. And he goes, I, I didn't even, I didn't even know I was there. Like, what? That's what makes, I mean, I, other than it being the shape, that's what makes it so weird. There's, like, Razors in it, dude. What, like, I you know, whatever. So, very interesting album cover. Very, uh, very, very, very interesting. I'll tell you that. Um, but it, it, the color scheme is cool. It's like this darker monotone. It's a lot of like purples, blues. There's some a little bit of yellow here and there, greens. But I really like the way it looks. But also, I don't know if this is just the one I have. But this actually isn't a vinyl. It's instead uh, wax. Like the the physical material of it. So the the records are blue and yellow, which, you know, I, I'm, I'm just a nerd, but I find that really cool. Like, it's something different. I don't have any other ones that are anything other than black vinyl. So, you know, shout out to the far side, I guess, is what I'm getting at, because I, I really do love these guys. They're, they're really fun. Um, they're super underrated. So, um, yeah, I guess if, if you're looking for somebody to listen to who's just fun, right like mindless goofy good sense of humor i would listen to that first album bizarre ride to the far side like lab cabin california is a really good album uh it has some jay dilla production in it which you know isn't gonna make a song bad it's just it, you know what they kind of follow the same path as de la soul their first album was fun goofy the second one has some more heavy hitting you know like reality things in it so um there's that that's no, actually, I got a couple more. That that's it. What I have for the you know vinyls that I own or records, I I guess. Um, so two other ones that I feel like I, I that I wanted to mention is uh, the Fuji's album, the score. Without a doubt, one of the greatest hip hop records of all time. Right, the three of those those three together are different level i think lauren hill is one of the best you know in the hip-hop game ever and so the thing that i think i like about this album so much is it's simple right it's just it's just a, a you know black background you get their three faces in it um and then you do all all it is is says fuji's on top in like a godfather font kind of thing and it's orange and on the bottom you get you know the score same font, same color. It's just, you know, specific. But I think what why I like this so much is, like, these other ones are are dope. They're fun. But this one has all the focus on the MCs in it. Right? You got Lauren Hill right in the middle, Wyclef. You know, they're, they're, they're both the other two on the sides. So it's like this one, to me, kind of represents, you know, like, the, the focus is on them. The other ones are cool. They're fun. Like, I mean, De La Souls actually had some meaning to it. I don't, you know, bizarre ride. I don't know what, what what's going on with that. But this one, you know, has, I feel like, like they're just trying to say, like, we don't need to be flashy. We don't need to be anything. Just pay attention to us and what we're saying. That's all you need when you're listening to us. Um, and I feel like that plays out in the album. 
and you know I'm just really big fan of 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 uh of the score and how it looks and also just how it listens it's great um the second one I wanted to bring up that I don't have on me is commons like water for chocolate now this is one that I I when I get a chance I will be going out and buying because I love I love the way it sounds but it's another one that just it looks fun so I mean, for one, obviously the album's named after the book, like Water for Chocolate, which is then made into a movie. Um, and, well, there's that, but also, like, I, I don't know. Apparently Common also liked the name because, you know, like, the, the water represents the water within him because he was uh, a Pisces. Uh, I believe he was born in, in March, or earlier, mid, mid-March, March, like, 13th, I want to say. Um, and then the chocolate represents, uh, like his soul, like the blackness in the music. So like the name has some meaning, but also, you know, it's one of those ones that looks cool. It's got a, it's green, uh, like barrier around it. But then right in the middle is a black and white photo of, uh, a young girl drinking from a colored only water fountain. Um, and that's, you know, that's a heavy hitting image. In an album like this, and it, it perfectly represents the album, right? Like, it, it's appealing, right? Visually appealing, whatever. But it's more than that. It's deeper than that. Like, what Common has to say is more than just sounding good. He wants his stuff to matter. And I feel like that album cover really, really puts, you know, everything together. And that really uh, exemplifies, you know, what the album album's about and uh i mean i i I could go on forever about that album it's so great another one that has some dilla productions in it i mean in incredible album if you haven't heard it please go listen to it please all right that's that's all i've got for the albums and what goes into it so i you know go back i mean if you look in these three or not these three, if you look at these uh, vinyls that I was looking at, what made these covers so good, so, you know, nice, uh, so good looking to me, there's some time and effort put into them, like Low End Theory, like Neruvian Doom Redux, like Bizarre Ride, um, they all definitely had some time and effort put into them, like, they're not just, just slapped together, um, there's some meaning to it, Right, like we're looking at "Day Lost Soul Is Dead." We're looking at "Like Water for Chocolate." We're looking at the score. Those really have some time and effort. Re- uh, not time and effort. Excuse me. I probably do, but not as much as the other ones. But they they have some meaning behind it. Um, and then you know, obviously the creativity. Like they're all creative, right? Every everyone I just named is creative in its own way. All right. So uh, my final segment that I'm going to go into is so I'm recording this. On October 13th, which is a Friday, by the way. It's Friday the 13th. Fun fun fact. Um, but anyway, I'm recording this October 13th, 2023, if anyone's listening to this in the future, which I don't know why you're still listening. <laughs> uh, so 25 years ago to the day, October 13th, 1998, Tupac Shakur... He didn't release it because by this point he'd already passed. Um, but the song Changes by Tupac is released October 13th, 1998. Um, 
And it's so this is one of the most impressive hip hop songs ever made. Right? It's it's got the message, it's got it's got, everything in it is just unbelievable to me. Um but so this track was recorded originally in nineteen ninety two. But it wasn't released till you know two years until after he died, which I don't know I don't know why. I don't know why this thing was never released until you know so late after. I mean, but this 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 song is so hard hitting, and it's it's wild. So in you know throughout the song, Tupac really describes like the harsh conditions of what it's like to be black in America. Um, there's things from, you know, poverty, there's things from, uh, racial discrimination, but I think for me, what really like hits the hardest is that he's, he's really like submitting that sometimes you have to sacrifice your morals in order to survive because that's just the way the system is set up, uh, you know, at the time. Um, you know, he, he says things in the song, like I, I have the lyrics here, like, you know, my stomach hurts, so I'm looking for a purse to snatch. Like, obviously, that's not a, you know, stealing is not a good thing. But if you're starving, what else are you going to do? You know, you, you don't have the money. Like, what else are you going to do? Sorry, there's a somebody speeding by right now. So, they'll be gone. There they go. Um, right, later on, he mentions things like, there's a little back and forth, right? Like, I made a G today, but you made it in a sleazy way, selling crack to the kids. I got to get paid. Well, hey, that's just the way it is. Like, man, that that, that part, because that, that also uh, ends out, I want to say, the, the second verse. And, you know, you sit there and you, you think for a second, you're like, damn. Like, the, it's like a sacrifice. Uh, sacri- yeah, sacrifice of your morals, right? Like this, I mean, I don't really need to explain it for y'all, but it's, it, I don't know, man, it, it, it hits hard. It really does hit hard because it's, I mean, I think it's because, you know, I, I, you know, thankfully I've never had to experience anything like this, but, they, you know, it was real. It still is real. I think maybe that's what is the hardest thing about this song is written in 1992, released in 98. It, so... You know, it's 25 years ago when it was released, and you're still seeing, th- like, the only thing in this entire song that I really think, you know, like, a good thing that happened was in the the second verse. Yeah, the second verse, you know, he says, you know, we ain't ready to see a black president. Obviously, we've had a black president since this time has happened. Um, you know, they definitely were not ready for it in the 90s. That would have been awful. But of everything in this song... I think that's the one th- change that, you know, for good that actually has happened. Everything else you still see today. You still see today. I don't know what, the, you know, I don't know what that speaks to, but I don't know. Tupac really just was, I mean, a different, a different kind of guy when it came to thinking. I mean, I know it was part of his family with his grandmother being a Black Panther, Um I know that he, you know, he cared very deeply. He's a very emotional guy. But this song is like a culmination of 
of just who Tupac was, what he cared about, his ability to write a song, his ability to make a really like good sounding song. I mean, there's a there's a lot that can be said about this track that you know, I I I I mean, I'm just not the one to say anything about cuz you know, it's I I just not it's not my experience. It really isn't like it's just it's I don't know, man. I don't know. It's a tough it's a tough track. It is. It's a tough track. But All right. Um so if if that that's all I've got for today. Um you know, I, it's a little shorter than last time, not much, but a little bit. Um so if you've made it this far, just want to you know, a big shout out to you. Thank you so much for spending the time, taking the time to listen to me ramble about hip hop once again. Um, you know, some but that's something I care about a lot. Um and it's just some, you know, I like telling you know, I, I like to learn, so if I can help somebody else learn that, that, that makes me that makes me happy. But you know, wherever you're headed, I hope you have a wonderful day, wonderful night. Um Yeah, and uh thank you so much for watching. Peace. Okay, okay. There comes a time.